<laughs> Let's go, Bulldogs! <laughs> Welcome to Politics and Bros. This is the podcast where two guys who spent their careers on the inside of federal politics and government are now on the outside and only have each other to talk about how things are going. Today is January 17th, 2022. This is episode 50. I'm your Woo. co-host, Pete. And with me, as always, is Howell. Hello, bud. Hi, Pete. I was trying to be energetic. I, I appreciate it. Um, has it been? It, it's probably been a month since we, we, we chatted. It, is, it, it um, has. Um, I guess I could look and see when we published the last episode. But a lot's happened since then, including the Georgia Bulldogs becoming Let's national champions. Bulldogs. Would you like would you like to say anything about about that moment before I'm, we I'm just happy. Start? I'm just happy. I posted on I put a little post on um the day after um on my Facebook page that just talked about how elated I was for the state of Georgia for the football team that I have followed and loved most of my life. Um starting with my sister who actually went to Georgia. Uh she did not graduate from there. She actually transferred, but she started her collegiate life at Georgia. So that's when my Love of the team was, and actually, my first Georgia game was against Vanderbilt at Vandy. Uh, my mother had a beer spilled on her head. It was hilarious. What year was that? Because beer wasn't allowed. Well, it was probably an illegal beer, I guess. Yeah, it, this was not allowed this, until my sister's freshman. Ago. My sister's freshman year was eighty-seven. So it was like it was eighty-seven that that first uh, my sister's first uh, first year as a student. So. Um, we were there because uh, my brother's best friend was a senior at Vanderbilt at the time, or actually, no, a junior at Vanderbilt, and we were visiting with him, and my brother came down from Syracuse because my brother was at Syracuse. He was a junior at Syracuse, and um, we hung out. But uh, anyway, so that was my first Georgia game was at Vandy. Well, well, I'm sure you were also aware that on Saturday night, the Vanderbilt Commodores went into Stegman Coliseum and pulled the whole whole state of Georgia back down and beat the Georgia Bulldogs in basketball, which I know everyone really paid attention to and was care was caring about. Yeah. Cause I think Georgia lost to a D two school like the week before <laughs> in basketball. But anyway, no, I'm very, um, I'm very excited for uh, Georgia. Um, you know, all my, well, they, all, all my colleagues and people who know me, they all think I went to Georgia, which I did not, but they've built um, quite a program, but I went uh, every weekend in the fall semesters of school, I was in Athens visiting with our good friend Quinn and, and Clay and others and going to game days. And so. Did Herschel Walker cheat, uh, sorry, tweet or say anything uh, <laughs> that uh, um, might try to tie it back into politics? Weirdly enough, uh, talking about Herschel Walker. Uh, uh, you, was there I anything? I didn't see. Uh, I didn't look. Okay. I kind of, I've, I've been ignoring his candidacy, so... <laughs> Is it an official candidacy yet? Has he has he uh, declared? I don't know because I think his residency. I don't. I still don't think right. he has Georgia residency. Okay, um, but I think Trump's already endorsed him. So, yeah, Trump has uh, already endorsed him, which is uh, hysterical to me. Well, congratulations on the um, go dogs. It's been quite a quite a couple months for you and people like Quinn, the yep. Braves, and the bull yes. and the Bulldogs, and it's good to be so, from Georgia for once. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's good stuff that's happened because overall, like stuff like Omicron's happened and, you know, um, Russia's threatening to try and create a war in the Ukraine. Um, and, uh, 
you know, so not everything's great, but, um, oh yeah. And, uh, CPS and for me personally was out of school for a week because of, <laughs> uh, hyper, hyper polarized times. So yeah, not everything's been great, but, um, Tell we us. thought f- for episode 50, we do some, some looking back, some looking forward, um, kind of change it up a little bit, not do a topic of the week, but, um, yeah, I, you know, just happy we made it to 50. Here's to 50 more. Here's to 50 more. I'm going to take a big sip of something right now. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking like, uh, in our, our, our favorite, uh, episodes or favorite moments, I, I was kind of I was going through our list of episodes and honestly I think my favorite episodes over the last you know we've been doing this for two years now yeah I um, know we were like been, what's this COVID stuff two years ago yeah. and then yeah I think my favorite episodes have been our emergency pods that we've done like uh, the okay. first one was was Soleimani back in January of 2020 mm-hmm. and then obviously in January of 2021 it was the Capitol insurrection yeah. emergency mm-hmm. pods and that I think those because. I don't know. I think it was because they were more raw, less. I mean, we're not all that scripted to begin with, but um, these were certainly kind of reacting. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, so I I think opinions could really form on what Mm -hmm. happened. Yeah. It would actually be kind of like interesting to go back and kind of see what what we said that kind of resonated and 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 kind of carried through as part as like part of the narrative and what was more just like, okay, um, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Uh, I, I would not, be curious to go back and listen to the insurrection one and see how differently, if either of us feel any differently about some of the things that we said. Um, I'm <laughs> guessing no, although there has been, there is some reflection, you know, that I've done over the last year on, on the significance of that day. You've um, memory hold it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I just feel like, uh, it, like some of the rhetoric around it, especially in the last, you know, as the January 6th committee has been meeting and talking about the significance of that day, I, I just don't think it's, I don't know. It was awful. It was bad. Those people should be put in jail, but it was not 9-11. It was not Pearl Harbor. Um, but anyway. Well, sorry. as far as death goes, it wasn't. But uh, yeah, um, we can we can revisit that at a... Yeah. Uh, two-year anniversary yeah, we'll podcast for um uh i do i do speaking to that point though i do remember distinctly saying one thing during that january 6th pod which by the way i was going to say looking back over the last year was probably my not my favorite but i don't know the one i'm most proud of or or mm. enjoyed the most um not only because of the topic but um also, the one with uh, Matt Betts as well, our uh, my, oh, yeah. our, our guest, um, which we did shortly thereafter. Uh, but I do remember saying that one reason I was never really um, uh, that concerned about, you know, obviously the violence and everything was was bad, but I never really feared for the the republic is mm-hmm. because. They were a bunch of people without really. Um, a, they didn't know they were headless, right? They were like, uh, right. and I think I may, may raised that um, 
that night and they they kind of they kind of broke in and then were like now what okay we'll just go sit at pelosi's desk <laughs> like that was that was the that was the uh yeah, the pinnacle of that day for them. Now, I, it is coming out that like people like the Oath Keepers and um, had definitely coordinated yeah. uh, plans to to affect something on that day, um, and I think that will all kind of seep out over the and we'll see sort of the extent of it, the coordination efforts. But um, <clears throat> I I think I know what you're saying in that there does appear to be a over magnification of, of, or a disconnect between really what was a bunch of idiots, right? Essentially who got out of hand and were stupid and should be prosecuted for everything that they did. That was stupid Mm -hmm. to, to some sort of existential, uh, crisis for the republic which is the way they speak about it now that doesn't mean that we should not still i think learn lessons from that day and prevent it prevent it and 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 get rid of the loopholes and the and hold people accountable for things they said that day that caused that yeah um so i i you know as usual i think it's more nuanced than it's being made out to be but yeah that, that was true. What is it? So, to say, to my favorite episodes were, I would say, generally were when we had a guest. So, like Matt, yeah, and the one where Quinn came on to talk about Larry, yeah, because it's just nice to um, hear other people's viewpoints about other topics. Mm-hmm. Um, so, those have have been my favorite, and hopefully, we can do more of those. Um, yeah. as we move forward in 2022. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed the one with, with Becky Talent um, to talk about immigration. Um, that conversation definitely got wonky in a good way. Um, but it was nice. I want to get, I want to get wonkier in 2022. I do. I still, I still definitely with everything that's going on right now, especially with uh, some of the, the, the push to do a voting rights bill. Um, I, I definitely want to get a voting rights expert um, on the, on the pod to talk about, what is and what isn't necessary to protect the right to vote. Um, I'm very skeptical and cynical of the Democrats' plans to try and do a bill, um, but that's just me. And I want to be either. I either want to find um, confirmation you know for my. I, I've been asking around, and and obviously not well enough and not hard enough. So I'm going to keep doing that, but. Um, I want to find confirmation for what I, what I've been thinking or somebody to explain to me why I'm wrong, you know, one or one or the other. Um, but it's going to be, I think a lot of the rhetoric around uh, Biden's speech in Atlanta uh, last week, um, some of the things that have been said about cinema and mansion in terms of getting rid of the filibuster to try and do this bill uh, versus a lot of the misinformation on what is and what is not in the Georgia uh, voting rights bill that passed earlier in 2021. Um, I just, I th- you know, yeah. Well, it'd be good to find someone to talk about that. Yeah. Um, uh, cinema and mansion. I, you know, they people. Uh, just a t- quick tangent. Say, they'll say, change the filibuster, but then some people read that as eliminate the filibuster, whereas some people read it as. 
do we go back to a, a talking filibuster or do we change it just for certain legislation or whatever they did, like they did for the debt ceiling? Um, so or I for know. judges or for judges. Yeah. Um, anyway, to be to be discussed in 2022, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, so another uh, um, retrospective aspect of our 50th pod would be um, to talk about favorite political moments or worst political moments of 2021. Um, do you have any? I have a couple if um, you're not ready to go. but uh, Yeah, start, start us off. Okay. Well, speaking of wonky and boring and um, – my favorite moment, a uh, political moment of 2021, was that infrastructure passed, um, <laughs> and it's 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 just that in a in a in the political ecosystem that we're currently living in, it was just kind of a return to normal for a bit for you know those couple of days where it finally got through. People were talking about, you know, what was in and out of the bill. There was, um, there were Republicans and Democrats um, involved in pushing it through, uh, and it's important. And yeah. and you know, they they kicked off a bunch of it last week, but it just proved that even that it's not completely broken. <laughs> now it's pretty broken. Yeah, um, the fact that infrastructure, which everyone knows is good for a country um, could barely pass, but it proves that not all is lost and, and that there are things in certain situations where we can still get them done. So for me, that was my, my best moment of political moment of 2021. It's a good one. I like it. Thanks. Um, do you want to give yours or do you want me to give my worst moment of do your worst? Cause I've, I've, I, my best and worst are actually in a very intertwined. So, okay. All right. Well, my worst moment of 2021 is, is not actually one moment. Um, so it's, it's what I call the, the continued search for the bottom. So, yeah. um, uh, as, as you know, infrastructure is boring and wonky and old school political. Um, the, what I call the search for the bottom is just, you know, the continued, how low can, can we go in politics where, you know, we're making Nazi comparisons to, we're just throwing them around, throwing them around at, you know, about anything. It it Um, means nothing. It means nothing. You know, the continued, uh, everyone's a racist. Um, yep. The uh, former president of the United States, well, I guess in 20, yeah, the former president of the United States calling everyone names, um, dragging private citizens through uh, through the mud, um, you know, uh, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and um, – just continuing to do, I think it was 2021 where she said the stuff about Ilan Omar and the Jihad squad yep. on a, on the floor of yep. the house. Um, you know, 
that to me is the worst moment. And, you know, I, I'm afraid it's not getting going to get any better anytime soon with um, the midterms coming up. But uh, I would say, you know, that and, and in taking a step back uh, over the break, I kind of stepped away from politics following it a little bit just because it, it, it got so frustrating and so um, so disheartening to see stuff like this every day. Um, and it felt good to kind of step away for a little bit, not be on Twitter reading these, these people who are just out there to antagonize. And, and, and so, um, I, you know, it kind of made me realize, do I really want to keep doing this? But I think it's important and I like talking about it, but, um, it does get a little hard when you see that, like, we just seem to keep going lower. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, please tell us uh, tell us yours, Pete. Uh, they're they're intertwined because I think it, they're essentially the same thing. My favorite okay. moment and worst moment is President Joe Biden. Um, and what I mean by that is a peaceful transfer of power, eventually, obviously on January twentieth, not January sixth, but um, to a new presidency that was. I mean, even for me, I was happy. We were both very happy to get back to normal and not have to try and scramble to do a podcast every single night with the way that we we thought about doing under the Trump administration. But actually, getting a little bit the opportunity to be more wonky and dive into better, you know, bigger and better issues instead of you know the mudslinging bullshit that right that happened under Trump. Um, but that's, I mean, a lot of that slowly turned into the worst because like you said, it, nothing's really, nothing's really changed. I think the pace at which things are happening has certainly changed and slowed down to something more manageable. But, um, you know, I've come to the conclusion that, that Biden at this point in time, and obviously it's, you know, we're, it's still before the midterms, it could be turned, turned around a little bit in the next, you know, two and a half years, but, um, he might be the second or third worst president ever at the moment um with trump being the worst obviously um just because you know i think he's you know i read an article today that he's the man you know he's always positioned himself right in the center of the democratic party but that center has certainly moved left and that's why he's he's kind of started throwing these retor you know these 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 bombs in a lot of his speeches basically calling republicans or anybody who opposes the the voting rights bill that he wants to push is you know bull connor or george wallace and they're racist or domestic terrorists is actually a term that he used in that speech in atlanta and it's i mean that's not bringing down the rhetoric at all that's giving into the the progressive wing in the party who, who really is very Trump like in that respect. Um, so I, you know, I feel like it's top, top down in his, in his administration. I think Merrick Garland is, is certainly a more, you know, activist attorney general, um, than we've seen in, in recent history. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think some of the fights he's picked are certainly politically motivated. And, you know, I think, you know, I don't see a whole lot of difference between Jen Psaki and and any of the Trump, you know, press secretaries. I think they're all just spinning their bosses. Well, stuff. she's not flat out lying to the. I to mean, the public. Uh, no, not not in the way that I think. You know, uh, Kaylee McEnany. Kaylee McEnany did, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders did, but she certainly is spinning things 
in a dishonest way or not necessarily in truthful, but certainly a dishonest way. I mean, but that's kind of the role of the press secretary anyway. So I'm, I was hoping for a much more unifying character than we've seen in the last year. Um, and like I said, there's still time and maybe it's going to take the shellacking of a midterm election, which I think is almost certainly going to happen at this point. You've got a lot of the more centrist Democrats worried about their reelect if um, if they keep pushing Build Better Back and, and this voting rights bill. And um, it's just not polling that great in those districts. And so maybe that's what it takes. Um, but um, I was I was very happy to see peaceful. I was very that inauguration day I thought was pretty awesome. Just the overall tone and tenor, not having Trump anywhere near it was fantastic. Um, I just wish that uh, you know there was a lot to build off of with the infrastructure bill that I think has been lost unfortunately, and it's kind of nosedived where Biden stands sort of in my personal you know spot. So there you go. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, Although I can't wait for 2022. I'm just going to say that. Uh, to develop, I mean, I'm already in 2022, but I think yeah. there's some great stuff that's going to be fun to watch. It might it might be a train wreck, but it's still going to be fun to watch. Well, with the, with with that said, um, you know what what do you think? What are you looking forward to? What what's the most important political story going to be or what, what's going to be the most fascinating political story for you? The, th- uh-huh. the thing I'm super pumped to watch is how the, the Donald Trump Ron DeSantis mm. clash <laughs> is going to unfold. It's heated it, up in the last couple of days. Yeah, It's inevitable and it's going to get, na- I, I actually, I hope it gets nasty. Um, Cause it's going to be awesome if it gets nasty. Who do you think I, is going to win? I think DeSantis wins. I I, I think he wins. I, but how does that happen? Does McConnell get behind DeSantis, I, or does? Uh, oh, like, I don't. I don't know from that respect. I don't know about from a presidential standpoint. I'm talking more of like a general public opinion. Because oh. well, sure, the well, thing, DeSantis is sane. Yeah, and the thing that I'm I've, I'm certainly kind of been leaning towards, especially lately, is that in terms of the of a broader swath of the American public i think republicans are actually more in touch with a broader swath than the democratic party is not by much it's it's hairs at this point but and i think desantis appeals to more than just the mega crowd and i know trump knows that and it pisses him off um so if there's anybody who can shake uh shake loose his grip it's probably ron desantis which blows my mind knowing just thinking back to him being a congressman and and but you know whatever but that's gonna be i think that's gonna be my favorite story to watch um and then probably a close second is to what happens here um with the filibuster um i think if there are any changes made if that and if if cinema or mansion end up making concessions and anything's made anything changes i'm who you know the door is wide open for mitch mcconnell to do whatever he wants after the midterm, assuming that the Republicans retake the Senate, um, which I think that is, which is, it's not certain. I mean, it is, it, I think it is almost certain that the Republicans will retake the house. I, I, I don't know. I think the Senate's still obviously a little bit up in the air, but um, I'm just, um, that's going to be an interesting thing to kind of to watch and see how that all unfolds and 
how he as a he is a master tactician, whatever you want to say about Mitch McConnell. He knows the Senate, he knows the institution, he knows the rules and what can how far he can go and it's uh it'll be very interesting to see what he does. Um Yeah, so my I think when looking into twenty twenty two, I think the biggest story, the story I'm looking forward to the most and I'll probably read the most about is the midterms. Um, and I think, uh, I think there's going to be some, some surprises in the midterms. Um, uh, in fact, uh, I had something in our notes about, you know, what's going to be the most overhyped thing we hear. And I Mm -hmm. think one of the things that I've been reading a lot about is, you know, everyone's talked about, uh, gerrymandering and how it's going to, it's going to ensure the Republicans win. Well, if you look at, um, what's actually happened and, and the maps that are being drawn and the lead and the lawsuits that are being filed. And, um, it's, it's actually, uh, there's a couple things that have come out. And one is that, um, all of the Republican States that they thought would be even gerrymandered more to give them more of an advantage. They basically figured out that like they've already gerrymandered them as much as they can. So there's not really a gain to be made uh, that much um, for Republicans in that regard. And they just lost a lawsuit in Ohio that would have made it like, I don't know how many um, seats Ohio has, maybe like 19 or something. It it, it was going to go from like, like 12 or like 13 to six it was going to go from like eight to seven in Ohio to like 13 to six for Republican, but they, they threw the map out or whatever, and they're going to make them go back. Um, and, and, and Democrats are doing this too. They're yeah. doing it in um, now there. I will say that there are more democratic States that use um, a commission, but there are States like Oregon, New York's going to be um carved up. I think Kat Co just said he's not running yep. again. And so that actually gives the Democrats a chance to split his uh, district up even more to get more out of that. So I think I've seen analysis that say uh, it may only be like a like a two seat swing with, with gerrymandering. Um, and <clears throat> that that could, you know, that people are saying that, well, that was one of the reasons that a lot of people are thinking it's a sure thing that the house will flip in, in 2022. Well, you know, I think it's, that's, that needs to be taken out as a reason for it to flip. I think the biggest, I think the biggest reason is, is, is that, you know, the, there's this, the conventional wisdom and the, for the most part, it's been proven out is the the president's party always loses hot seats in the house at the midterms. Um, but I think you have to have to think about the fact that Trump is endorsing a lot of these candidates that are going to win and may give some there. He may create some uh, opportunities for Democrats to pick up some seats where they um they would not have won had a normal uh, Republican won the primary. Um, you know, I'm not saying a Democrat's going to win in Wyoming, but um, 
you know, Liz Cheney is probably going to, I don't know. I, I don't know what you're hearing, but I'm guessing she's not going to win her primary in Wyoming. That's a good chance, yeah. Um, so, you know, if it was another state that had maybe a little bit more purple in it, if you get someone to the right, far right, um, that is running on the 2020 was rigged, 2020 election was rigged and not talking about issues um, and that the right candidate is there, I think you can have some... Um, I just think, I think, I do agree with you that I think just based on history and the fact that Biden's got such a messaging problem from his, um, from his administration that the odds are that the Republicans will take the House in 2022. But I think it's going to be more interesting and more um, close than most people think. Uh, so I'll be watching that quite closely, as well as um, the Senate, which uh, <clears throat> you've got. Again, you've got the Trump factor where he is endorsing some candidates for the Senate that could like so Alabama's an example. Mo Brooks is is yeah. um running for Senate. And I know people in Alabama who want anyone but Mo Brooks to be the the Republican representative. And if he gets now it's again, it's a deep red state. He may his, still win. His primary candidate who's not a Trumper, she's She's this Katie, Katie Britt. She's she's doing well. Yeah. No, she is. Former Senate staffer. She's, yeah. For Shelby, right? Yep. Or no. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, she, like, but Trump's endorsed her. So, like, that's, or Trump's endorsed him. Yeah. So, that's, so, you know, if he gets up there and he starts talking about how, um, you know, he understands why, why the January 6th, uh, or he thinks they're being they're political prisoners and he understands why they did what they did. Like, you know, um, that's not going to help nationally. So, you know, you very much well could be leaving the 2022 midterms with maybe a very slight house majority for, for the Republicans and maybe the Senate's still 50, 50, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in Georgia. That's we're always watching Georgia here. If Herschel Walker is the candidate. um, So, I'm going to be be watching that pretty closely and it's going to be a story for the whole year basically. And then what happens after the elections? Do do people claim irregularities and and not concede as well? Um so yeah. Well, and that's that maybe that's my my can my candidate for the most overhyped story might it might be the Trump candidates might be the most uh, overhyped story. Maybe. Cuz I think You've seen a lot of the a lot of Republicans. There's been a bunch of Republicans, especially in the states like Arizona and Michigan and Georgia, you know, the states, Pennsylvania, the states where Trump contested the election, where, you know, Republicans in the legislatures got grief for doing audits. Audits are not a bad thing. Audits are actually common to see if there was any irregularities. But of course, they were vilified saying that they didn't um, they didn't believe that it was a fair and free election. But once all the results came back from the audit, like, were there some irregularities? Yeah. Was it, would it have turned the election? No. It was actually a pretty well-run, well-run election. So we've done the audit. We confirmed it. All good. Time to move on. And there's, I think there's more Republicans who are starting to um, grab onto that, whereas Trump just can't let it go. He did an NPR interview last week. I don't know if you saw this, where he hung up on the... Anyway, on after the, nine minutes. After nine minutes, yeah. because... Uh, the interviewer was like, well, you know, 
Steven Skeep. Yeah, okay. I didn't yeah. know the name. Um, he's like, well, you know, you lost, and it, there were no regularities, and and Trump was using whatever you know crap. It was too points. early. It was too early to find the fraud. Yeah, he, it was he, too early. Rudy was talking points from you know his yeah. legal team uh, at the time uh, to explain away all that stuff in you know. And he's well, like, I don't know. I don't know, know that you... standing. I don't have standing because I was the president of the United States, and apparently the president of the United States can't have standing in court. So I was like, "That's that's first of all, that's not how that works." But um, I'm no lawyer. But all right. So I kind of think it could be. It could be an overhype that the MAGA candidates could be the overhype story of 2022. Um, I hope they are. Maybe it's just me being hopeful. Um, yes. Uh, you know, we're never. I don't think we're going to see the the Lauren Boberts and the and the Marjorie Taylor Greens uh, gone anytime soon. Matt Gates could be in prison, so that'd be <laughs> that'd be nice. Uh, apparently, his ex girlfriend is uh, has been negotiating an immunity yeah. um, or immunity for whatever testimony she's going to give against him. Um, and he's been super quiet the last uh, month or so. Um, well, he he did he did stand with. Marjorie Taylor Greene on January 6th and say, we're not ashamed of anything. So, you know, um, uh, to, to your point, uh, about, um, there, about who's running for the Republican party. I, there is, there was a report that there are 15 Republican candidates, uh, who are running to be secretary of state across, um, the country who, are election doubters or deniers who have yeah. made statements, um, <clears throat> which, you know, again, I think even if you don't believe they can win, you need to take these people seriously. Sure. And, and because the way these lo- a lot of these laws are being written is that these people are going to have immense, immense influence on the certification uh, of elections um, where, cause they've taken it away from bipartisan committees and, and are putting, putting uh, elections into the hands of, of, you know, elected officials. So, um, you know, my personal opinion is, is that uh, free press and, and free speech will ensure these people are, are held accountable for their views and um, they will either not win or if they do win, they will be put into a place uh, by pre-election questions and that they have said, you know, they will abide by the will of the people or something like that. Um, uh, And so, you know, again, maybe that's me being too hopeful and optimistic about democracy and free speech, but um, I do think these people are out there and I, I'm with you that I hope the sooner they leave, the better off we'll all be, but they're there now and, and deserve our attention. Yeah. I think the end all be all of um, moving on is not having a Trump or Biden on the ticket um, or a Clinton apparently, because Hillary thinks she might be able to run again in 2024. Um, I think a fresh slate of candidates is desperately needed. Um, so maybe that will help deal with the issues. Yeah. I'm not sure that's going to happen for 2024. But, no, um, probably not. Um, 
it would be nice. Um, have you, uh, just real quickly, I kind of thought about throwing this in the most overhyped story uh, when we started talking about this episode, but I think over the last couple of days, I realized it may not be overhyped. But have you followed the the Russia-Ukraine stuff at all? That was I, I should have put that in on like what to watch for in 2022 mm-hmm. and how this is going to unfold, because we're definitely going to have to do an episode on this and maybe even bring in an additional um, a guest to kind of help, help us talk through it. Um, uh, I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure... I don't. I don't want to blame the Biden administration. I. I. I, I kind of feel like we'd be in this. Actually, we. I don't think we'd be in this with the Trump administration. I think Trump would just kind of sit back and let it happen. But I'm afraid that Biden is going to overplay it. Um, the Biden administration will overplay it somehow, and it only gets only escalates things further. But I don't know. Um, well, so I've, far. They've been, in my opinion, they've been um, consensus building. They've been working with NATO. Yeah. They've been working with allies, uh, as they should be, to try and de-escalate this and be transparent about what's happening. I, I don't know if you've seen this in the last couple of days about how they've been uh, rolling out <clears throat> intel that says Russia has staged – Yeah. Um, false flag people in the Ukraine yeah. to sabotage, to create the appearance of a an attack, um, so that to give them the pretext to invade. Um, I have not read the details of of you know with this evidence. I mean, it certainly does sound like something Putin would do. Um, I still think he's playing a giant game of chicken because he likes to do this. I don't know what he gains by um, uh, invading Ukraine. Um, At this point, there's nothing. It's not like a wealthy, mineral-rich land, and he would just have to maintain it. Now, again, I'm not crazy or a dictator, so maybe there's different calculus going on into um, legacy building or legacy defining, something like that. But... um, uh, I think that will be, it'll, I, it'll be something to watch. And I think Putin's just what his, you know, his stated goal is, is to needle the U S and, and, um, everything, every time something happens here, it's, it's needling us and it gives people ammo to fire at Biden. And yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention. And maybe that's maybe that's it. I mean, I just don't I don't know if, if the if Biden can resist the urge. I I'm I think what's going on now, you're right. Like the consensus building working through NATO, that's all good stuff. My my worry is what happens when the first Russian soldier crosses the border into Ukraine. Um because as the old saying goes, you don't you know, with all these troops being on the on the border, you know, the thousands and thousands of troops that are apparently amassing at the Ukrainian border, as the old saying goes, you don't put on a condom unless you're going to fuck. So is that what, I mean, what happens when that first troop actually crosses the border? How, what is our response going to be, are going to be? And I'm a, I don't know. I'm not, I, I consider myself on a certain level, uh, you know, um, a defense hawk, but not when it comes to a war that we probably shouldn't get involved with. Even if, if, if he really, if Putin really wants to invade Ukraine, 
what is our response? And I know it's going to be through the guys and, and the cover of NATO and allies and the coalition. But at the end of the day, it's U.S. troops. I mean, we're the only ones that can do that, that can go in and do something about this. So I'm kind of I'm just worried at how all that unfolds and develops and, and the, the longer term Russian U.S. relations and what that means for the future. Because it's not, it, it could go badly very fast. Well, I think we've done a lot to flood the zone with. It's going to be painful for Russia if they do this. Sure, you know, I don't know if there is a. If you read, there was an article about um, how Ukrainians have been trained to kind of basically do like a Iraqi. Uh, style insurgency um, or counterinsurgency or whatever and you know if that does come to that that um they've given them tools and training on on basically bloodletting them um to say you know you really want to think about this if you do this um i don't know i mean i'm i'm kind of with you that like i don't know that i think any american should necessarily die to keep ukraine from being part of Russia. Um, but at the same time, can you imagine the, how big of a soapbox Tom Cotton's going to get on and rail against Joe Biden if we don't send in troops to help? I agree. Uh, um, but then at the same time, if he goes in and troops start dying, Tom Cotton's also going to be like, he bungled that. So um, Ted Cruz. Well, I think the first thing, first thing you're going to hear is about, you know, the, the pullout from Afghanistan and leaving Americans behind. I mean, that's going to be the first thing that they're going to that they're going to talk about. Like, how can we trust this president to to deal with a potential war if he can't uh, accurate or not accurately, uh, but um, if he can't uh, properly plan for a pullout of Afghanistan where we actually left American lives behind? I mean, that's what they're going to do. But yeah, I, it's it's predictable. So right, um, so. Something to watch, yes. and if you if you have a, a foreign policy uh, or a, a military expert in your back pocket that wants to talk to us, um, uh, I've got one, but I don't I, know if he, I don't know if he would come on our show. <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll email him and see what he he's thinks. actually a serious person. He's a very so, serious uh, person. Okay, well then, never mind. We don't want him on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, looking back, looking forward, it was fun. Happy 50th. It's fun. I'm st- I'm still enjoying this. It's a, this is a lot of fun. I I, I do wish it's we could do it more. It's just hard to 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 at you know we're doing this at night. I just like get tired by the end of the day. Yeah. Um. Maybe we just need to we just need to find more sponsors so we can do it during the day and it be our be our job. Be our jobs. Um, it's true. Well, are you into anything these days? Uh, yes, actually, I am. I've been very much wanting to play the drums uh more regularly again so i've been it must be hard having three kids under how old how old your oldest is he six six, seven six six and a half three kids under four and a half and uh two and a half um it is and i have not played my drums uh in the house but uh okay i've been online like looking at practice spaces and trying to find a place where i can go the the question is finding the time to do that. Um, I can't do it. Fuck on the you, I know I can't do that on the weekends. 
Um, it'd have to be during the week, but then I've got work. Do I do it after the kids go to sleep and I go at nighttime, but then I'm gone, you know, for God mm-hmm. knows how long. So, um, we'll see. I'm trying to figure that out now, but it's so you're what, trying to get into drumming. I'm trying to get again. back into my drumming, uh, again, uh, not to join a band or anything like that again, but just, uh, just to play. Um, it was good therapy when I played drums regularly and haven't had it in a while, but, um, that's pretty well, much I want that. that for you. Thanks, man. So that's what I'm yeah. trying to get back into. Um, was there anything else that I got? I, was, I, I can't remember. There's something else. Did you, get any, did you get anything for Christmas that you're into? Uh, nothing. No, not really. Um, nothing too crazy. I, I got a new gym bag, so I've been going. I've started back at the gym. Um, all I asked for my, for my wife was a, a new gym bag, and she bought me an awesome oh, North okay. Face waterproof. It's perfect size duffel bag for the gym. <laughs> Um, Maybe I'll hit up North Face. Ask us. Ask if they want to sponsor us. That's a they, fantastic. Double. They seem to be into stuff like uh, <laughs> politics and bros. So um, that's about it, man. What about you? You into anything? Uh, well, I am into, and you've probably seen this online. I started playing Wordle. What but, is what is Wordle? Can you explain I, I to me, please? I don't post my my scores. So what is Wordle? I know that's a big. It's just like a. Uh, like a kind of like a um cr- uh, crossword puzzle. Oh, it's so it's like you, words. It's you, like words with words with friends or whatever. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it, you, they so you get you have five or six guesses. To, there's a word, new word every day. Okay. Um, and it's it get, it's a five letter word, and you get to pick a word to start, and if there's a letter that's in the word, but not in the spot in the word that you put it, it shows up as yellow. And if the word, if the letter from that word is in the spot, is in the word and in the spot where you put it, it's green. And you just have to try and figure out within six guesses what the word is. Um, so it's pretty fun. It's a quick uh, in five, 10 minutes, um, little brain teaser. Keep you, keep me spry. Um, <laughs> Because uh, I've, I've been seeing people talking about it like on Facebook and freaking yeah. Twitter. And well, like, I guess there's a big war about like people stop play, stop posting your your Wordle score. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't really post on social media, so I don't have that problem. Um, but it's it's fun. I've been doing it with the kids, um, and um, I did get today's in two. If anyone um, is is out there trying, what, what score is that? Well, there's, you have six guesses, right? right? So, so I just got it in the second guess. Um, so the first guess, uh, which I was surprised I got it. My daughter was watching me and she was like, "Oh my god, how did you get that?" I was like, "I don't, I just guessed." <laughs> um, but I, I did, did nonetheless. <laughs> Dad, you're normally uh, stupid. How'd you do that? <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's what fun. was the word? Shire. Sh- Whoa, it's mm-hmm. kind of an intense word. Yeah, well, you know, I, I do was, intense things. I thought it was going to be like off or something. Or it's always five letters. Hello, yeah, hello. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Nice man. Well, I don't know if we'll get to go to a casino anytime soon until Omicron. That was the, that was my other thing for 2022. Are we going to? When are we? Are we actually going to go to a casino? I, I'm saying yes because I'm definitely going in August. Okay, uh, I might go before that, um, and I hope you come with me. Um, I I don't know about going to to Horseshoe. Um, 
I just don't know if I trust Horseshoe. There's Vegas things worse. There's things worse than Omicron going around at Horseshoe. It's so, true. Um, it's true. <laughs> so uh, actually, uh, we were talking about we because for the kids' spring break, we were supposed to go to Kiowa for a week because um, my wife's cousin was going to get married. But it looks like we're not going to be able to do that because kids aren't allowed at the wedding. And if you want to do stuff with the kids in Kiowa, you got to drive to Charleston, and that's like forty-five minutes to an hour each way. Um, so we're thinking about not doing that and actually going to Vegas and and maybe, or it's either going to be Vegas or Florida to a resort that's got like pools and, mm-hmm. you know, water park and all that stuff um, for the kids. Uh, but my wife actually mentioned that the, the four seasons in Vegas actually has, it's right next to Mandalay Bay. Uh, ah. And of course there's an aquarium there. And yes, um, my they kids, have the tigers. My kids that? were avid blippy watchers and blippy is based in Vegas. And he did a lot of his uh, shoots at, various uh kid playland air uh facilities in vegas and henderson and summerland as well um so vegas is surprisingly good for kids uh during the day and then just make sure they're in bed by like eight o'clock yeah the only thing i'm worried about is like if i if we do that um will i be able to go play poker i probably yeah you put the kids to bed you put your wife to bed and then you go sit in the in the poker room till three (laughs) in the morning till the next morning (laughs) until they wake up everybody up There you go. Yep. So, well, I hope you get to do that. I hope that for you too. I wish you abundance in 2022, Peter. Well, I, I hope you get to do some of it with me in person. That'd be nice. That would be nice. Yeah. So, all right. Anyway, well, let's right, wrap man. this shit up. Well, follow us on uh, Twitter at Bros Politics. Listen to us uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and um, I don't know. What's our last one? Google? No. I don't remember. Uh, Amazon? Amazon. That's it. God. Yeah. That's one of those platforms yeah um and as always we'll go to a casino see you pal bye